Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. All right, guys, welcome back to Subject to Change. Thought we'd change it up a little bit on you and have me uh, with you here today. It's gonna be a good time. I wanna welcome all of our audiences joining us though today. Those of you watching online, we welcome you. Those of you watching that video venue at our Keller campus, but also those of you watching in Haslett at our new Haslett campus, let's put our hands together. Let's welcome everybody that's tuning in. Awesome. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus uh, chapter 11 um, is where we're going. In this series, Subject to Change, what we've been doing is looking at the Israelites as they exit from Egypt and then make their way towards the promised land. We've been learning from their stories, some really some interesting stories, some scary stories that we've been looking at, but their stories are an example to us, and that's why we're studying them. In 1 Corinthians, in fact, verse, in 10, 11, it says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. So they were examples and they were warnings. So their pain can be our gain, right? Their tribulation can be our revelation. We can learn from how they did it wrong or did it right and apply that even to our own lives. I want you to learn from me today on something that I did wrong, uh, epically wrong uh, this week. So earlier this week, I needed some help. I, we have a, a little pest control issue at the house and so, I reached out to, that wasn't the wrong, but that's wrong too. But I reached out to a friend of mine. He runs a pest control supply company. And so I thought he would know who to put me in touch with. And so he gives me a great contact. And so I got this contact and I'm like, man, we need to get this person out here to do an estimate. And so I gave it to my wife. I said, hey, you're at the house more. Can you schedule this to have him come out, give us an estimate? And so I sent her the contact. This was just the other morning and sent her that contact and she replied back. She's like, okay. No, good morning, sweetie. No, I love you. No, how are you? It's, here's a pest control contact. And I was like, okay, that's right. That was probably, I probably, and so I was like, you know what? I need to go above and beyond. So I have my phone, and so you know what I'll do? I've never done this before. I feel a little vulnerable. I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow her a little kiss. I got my camera app, a little selfie. I said, you know, that, that, that'll make it good, right? So I sent it to her. I get back to reading my Bible, drinking my coffee, and no response. I'm like, huh. So I go back and look. I sent it to that dude. No. The panic. And you gotta act fast, because if he texts one back to you before you're able to, you got more issues. So I'm like, hey man, I'm so sorry, that was my wife. But it was, it was a good laugh. But hey, learn from my example. Be careful with that thing, right? Okay. So the stories we've been looking through, we saw the Israelites leave Egypt, go through the Red Sea. Then we saw them follow the cloud, the pillar by night. We watched the, the miracle God provided the manna uh, for them in the wilderness and at Mount Sinai. They built the golden calf. Remember, they, they just threw all their gold into the fire and a calf came out. Just amazing. And uh, Korah's rebellion in last week, what an amazing message, Pastor Jeff. Uh, talking about Caleb and just he had a different spirit, just that faith. I thought that message was such an impartation uh, for our church. If you haven't watched that one, go back and uh, watch that one. Not during this one, but next time you're able to do that. But as we have this graphic behind me, you, you see here is that the Israelites were a little bit of a holding pattern. 
What should have taken 11 days to get from Egypt to the promised land, they're in this holding pattern as God was working the unbelief in their hearts. He got them out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in their hearts. The unbelief, the mistrust, the, and God was working in, during that time in that holding pattern. You see, today, I wanna give us another one of these qualities that God was working out in their heart. Along with faith, there was another one that was keeping them from really receiving all that God had for them. It's a quality, it's a supernatural quality. It's one you probably may not give a whole lot of attention to. It may just kinda uh, be a casual uh, thing for you, but I'm telling you, it'll transform your life. Um, it's something that it can change, whatever situation you're in, it can change your situation immediately because it changes you in the midst of that situation. Today I wanna to talk to you about how to cultivate a heart of gratitude. You see, because what we learn from the Israelites is that grumbling can keep you going in circles, but a heart of gratitude keeps you moving forward in faith and postured for God's blessing. So if you have your Bibles, Numbers chapter 11 is where we're gonna start here today. In verse four, we're gonna another one of these stories of the Israelites, and we're gonna learn from them. I love this story. Numbers 11, uh, verse four is where we're gonna start. And it says, the rabble with them began to crave other food. Now this rabble, the Old Testament scholars say, this is like a, just an Old Testament, it's like a negativity gang. Like they were just like, just, just, they didn't like Moses, didn't like the direction, they would just stir up dissension. But the rabble with them began to crave other food, and again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost, I like that. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, garlic, salt, and pepper, and like they're running out of things. Like fish was like the big thing, then they just kind of ran out of things. But, but now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Remember this manna, that was just a miracle just a little bit ago. God miraculously provided food for them in the wilderness. But this miracle now is just this manna. Verse 10. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. That's a fun word, wailing. The Lord became exceedingly angry and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on an oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. Go on to verse 18. So God says, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. When you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it just one day or two days, or five, 10, or 20 days, but for a whole month, until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Verse 31, now a wind went out from the Lord and drove quail in from the sea. It scattered them up to two cubits deep all around the camp as far as a day's walk in any direction. All that day and night and all the next day, the people went out and gathered quail. No one gathered less than 10 homers. I don't know what a homer is, but it's a lot. 
I looked it up, still couldn't figure it out. Then, <laughs> then they spread them out all around the camp. But while the meat was still between their teeth and before it could be consumed, the anger of the Lord burned against them and he struck them with a severe plague. Therefore, the place was named Kibroth Hadavah, because there they buried the people who had craved the other food. I'm sorry, it's not a happy ending. <laughs> Here's the thing, man, that journey, 11 days of manna wouldn't have been too bad. 40 years of manna, yeah. But I think about that, I think about the Israelites, and man, I'm so grateful that we're on this side of the cross and we have Jesus and his grace and we're seen through the, the righteousness of his son, Jesus, because my heart, I bet, man, if I was eating manna every day, I would start to grumble quite a bit too. I wouldn't be part of the rabble. I'd be like more of the passive, just like the inwardly rebellious one. Like, I'm not gonna join the gang, but you know, I'm not happy. I don't know about you, but when I think about this manna, when I first heard it as a kid, it talks about this honey-flavored wafer. I thought of honeycomb cereal. Anybody ever had honeycomb cereal? It was like Cheerios on steroids. You know, it's just like a little more for your bite. It's like, that was my, one of my favorite cereals growing up. What was, uh, what was one of your favorite cereals? Think about it right now. Those of you in Haslett, just shout it out. Like, what was your favorite cereal uh, growing up? Mine was Frosted Flakes, and it just happens to be the Pastor Ron. His is Frosted Flakes as well. Uh, what about, what are some other favorites? Fruity, Fruity Pebbles, anybody? Fruity Pebbles? Captain Crunch. That was a big shout out just now here in Keller. But... Uh, Crepes, I don't know what crepes are, but, uh, but uh, about Lucky Charms. We got some Cinnamon Toast Crunch fans. Rice Krispies, the cereal that talks, talks to you. Right, but then the Rice Krispies, it's only good if you put the sugar on it and then scrape it off the bottom, you know, then drink that sugar milk, right? Yes, that's what makes Rice Krispies good. Pops, Reese's Puffs. Things started getting crazy, though, with cereal. It's getting crazy. Every superhero started having a cereal. Even Pac-Man had a cereal. You knew it was over the top of Mr. T, B.A., Pitiful, right? He had his own cereal at one point. And then mom's antennas, they started going up. Right, hold on a second. And then you know what blew the cover? Was that, that cocoa cookie crisp? The chocolate chip cookies? We just went too far. We went too far with it. We started putting chocolate chip cookies, little cookies for breakfast, and moms are everywhere just said, hold on. And there's a shift, right? And then you have things like life, cereal, total, special K, nothing special about that. <laughs> grape nuts. Now, grape nuts, that's gravel. It's kitty litter. Grape nut cereal, you gotta pour it, come back 15 minutes later just to not break a tooth, right? That, <laughs> I don't know what your favorite was, but can you imagine eating that every day, every meal, for years? What that, what's that thing in your life? That thing that, man, you thought by now there'd be something different. You thought by now God would provide something that you had desired. You thought by now you'd be past this, but you're just in this holding pattern. You're just circling, and you're starting to get that little bit of that grumbling heart of saying, God, did you forget me? Do you see me? Do you still have a plan? Are you with me? Are you gonna break through? Are you gonna intervene? Are you gonna help me? What's that thing for you right now that's gonna be robbing that gratitude just like it robbed it for the Israelites? So we gotta crush those gratitude robbers in our life. So I'm gonna give you three 
gratitude crushers that we need to overcome to cultivate a heart of gratitude. The first one we gotta overcome in our heart is resentment. We gotta overcome resentment. Resentment's a strong, strong thing. Definition of uh, resentment is it's a bitter indignation of having been treated unfairly. That's what the Israelites felt. In verse four, remember it says, the rabble began to crave other food and Israelites started wailing, saying, if we only had meat. And they started wailing some more, saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? They were resentful that manna. They were resentful that they had to leave Egypt. They were resentful they had to eat this manna every day. But here's the thing, God had a plan to take them to the promised land. If God would provide a better food for them, don't you know, they would have just settled right where they're at. He said, I'm taking you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Like the vision he was casting for them was what they wanted. They're saying, give us meat. He's saying, I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey. What that means is that there's lots of cows, milk, goats, other things that make milk, right? And honey, which means there's lots of vegetation because bees are pollinators, which means it's a, it's a lively land. There's plenty of food. That's where I'm trying to take you, but they're just saying, no, just give us some meat. See, God knows that if he gave them what they wanted then, it would just, they would settle. We're so short-sighted, really, in what our desires are. God always has something better, a lamb flowing with milk and honey, and we just want some meat. Right, we're so short-sighted, but over time you say, God, oh God, you knew what you were doing. And he knows that sometimes these blessings that we want now, that we think, man, they're just gonna be, they're gonna meet all of our needs, fulfill our dreams, but those could be the things that actually crush us and squash us, and derail us and detract us from the greater things he has for us. So we gotta overcome that resentment. The second gratitude crusher to overcome is comparison. Gotta overcome comparison. Man, it's a big one. Comparison is a big one. Comparison crushes gratitude in a second. I mean, you got your new 2019 car. Next thing you know, 2020 has lane departure warnings on it. What? What? I hate my car. Right? It's like, it just kills it. It just kills that gratitude. In Numbers, in verse 11, 5, it says, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt. It makes that manna taste that much worse when you just think back to that fish they had in Egypt. Comparison, it crushes the gratitude. There's always gonna be something bigger, faster, newer. One of my great examples of comparison happened just a few years back. I went to a Texas Rangers baseball game with a buddy. He invited me, he said, hey, come along. I've got some really good seats. I'm like, okay, let's go. I wanna go to Rangers game. And so we go, and along the way, he begins to kind of tell me more. He's like, actually, why we're going early is because these tickets get us into the grill. Now, the grill is all you can eat. I'm like, oh, are you serious? And so we get there, we get to the grill. It's all you can eat. I mean, they have sushi, they have filet mignon, they even have swordfish. That's my favorite fish. That was the first time I had it, now it's my favorite though. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had it, but it's at the grill. And so we had swordfish, we had full, and so now it's game time. We start walking these special doors to our seats and we're walking, and we're walking down. I'm used to going up at the stadium. We're going down. So we're going down, 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 all the way to the brick. I mean, if I could have gone any further, I'd be on the field. We are on the front row. And when you're on the front row, you feel important. Because there's 20,000 people thinking, man, who is that? Right? And you don't want to disappoint. Like, I'm a nobody, but they, they don't need to know that. And that would just, 
ruin their experience to know that a nobody's sitting closer than them. So you gotta act like a somebody. You gotta act like you've been there. You're like, yeah, that's it, right there, you know? And you gotta kinda wave, kinda like, like they should know you, you know? And, and we're being ushered down by, it's, it's, a, it's an usher, but it's, it's more like a baseball butler. His name is, is Alfred. Alfred walks us down, and before I even sit, Alfred, he hands me a box of Cracker Jacks and a water, and he just says, hey, I'm gonna be right here if you need anything. And literally, Alfred just sat right there. Second inning, I wanted a Coke. I just looked at Alfred, read my mind, got up, got me a Coke. But thank you, Alfred, appreciate that. I mean, I'm there right at the on-deck circle. Players are coming up. I'm encouraging, I'm part of the game. I'm so close, I may be on the roster towards the bottom. Like, I, like, you can do all things through Christ, right? I'm encouraging the players, like, thank you. Like, you bet, get, go get it. You know, seventh inning stretch comes, I have to go to the bathroom. I don't wanna get up though. Alfred, he goes for me, right? Like, it's, it's, eighth inning, he's cracking my peanuts for me. I mean, it was an awesome experience. I don't even know if he won or lost or what happened. It was an awesome game. Well, next week, wouldn't you know, a friend of mine says, hey, I've got some Rangers tickets. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I tell you what, it's all you can eat. I'm like, oh, I know. I, I know what you're talking about. And so we get there, we get there a little bit early and we're driving, we park and pull the tickets out. I'm like, I think it's this way. He's like, no, I think it's this way. Really? I'm like, what's yours? I mean, what's it say? It says, it says home run porch. Home run porch. I'm like, I know where they hit the home runs. My seats are here, home runs. Home runs go. <laughs> go way out there. And so we go out to the home run deck and it's all you can eat. They don't have swordfish. <laughs> Nachos, hot dogs, cotton candies, good, you know, but one swordfish. And we sat there and I'm watching the game. I'm like, who's in my seats? <laughs> I'm looking down there. Alfred, you two-timer. You know, it's like, what? <laughs> the whole game, I'm there, I'm just, Grumbling. Here I am at a pro game with friends. I'm just grumbling. Why? Comparison. See, no matter how good, once you compare to something, it just robs. It doesn't just take away your joy. It can take away uh, just your, your potential because somebody's always going to have more. Somebody's always going to be better. Just because somebody has more doesn't mean you don't have Somebody could be more creative than you. doesn't mean you're not creative. Somebody could be a better leader than you. doesn't mean you're not a leader. Somebody could be more kind than you. Doesn't mean you're not kind. Some of you better disciple maker, better Christian than you. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian doing your best to follow Jesus. Right, but comparison, it robs that gratitude right out of our hearts. And the worst thing about it is it's just gotten worse because social media, when we're comparing to more, on social media, we're not even just comparing to more and the whole world of more is coming right to our phones. There are more mirages because that more is not even real to them that they're putting in front of you to compare with. That's actually a mirage. And now we're competing not just with more, but more mirages of a life that somebody wished they could live or wants to live or their highlight reel. And then we're thinking that's their every day and thinking, man, what am I doing with my life? Comparison. Don't let it rob your gratitude. So resentment, comparison. The third thing, third gratitude crush we gotta overcome is cravings. Cravings. If you're constantly desiring what you don't have, you'll never be grateful for what you do have. The thing about a craving is that it's just it's insatiable. Right? Just, you kind of feed it a little bit, but then it just doesn't go away. In verse 34, it says, therefore the place was named Kidbroth Hadavah, because there they buried the people who had craved other food. That 
word there, kibroth, hadava, actually translates graves of craving. See, cravings, they'll kill your gratitude. We all have desires. We need to keep them in check to keep our joy. It's that more monster inside of us. You just want more. It'll, it'll take you down. Cravings kill, but gratitude gives life in the same way. Grumbling closes us off to God's blessing, but gratitude opens us up to it. I was on vacation with my kids several years ago, and when I'm on vacation boat, I'm wanting to bless and give. I mean, we don't discipline, we don't see things sometimes. Like, that didn't happen, you know? I just wanna stay in a fun mode, and we're pouring all kinds of fun stuff, going to dinner, going shopping, ice cream, and there's one more thing I wanted to do with the kids, something really fun, and I remember my wife looking at me saying, we can't do it, like, they can't handle it. Because we'd done so much fun, we'd given them so much, they didn't have gratitude, a capacity of gratitude to be able to contain all of the blessings we were trying to give them. And so what happened was, as we were pouring on more blessings, actually making them uh, more entitled, more cravings, unhappy, and it was like, man, I wanna do it, but I can't because it's not gonna, it's not gonna be fun for us, it's not gonna help them. The same thing with God. You see, God has so much he wants to pour out into our lives. But our capacity, our gratitude, our ability to be able to keep a posture of, God, it all comes from you. I don't deserve this. Thank you for what you've done in my life. I'm not gonna be entitled because, man, it's by your grace, Lord. Thank you. You're so good to me. That allows God to continue to pour out his blessing in our lives. I want you to see this real clearly. I have this chart here. So God is pouring out his blessing and provision into our lives. But if we have a grumbling heart, what happens is that resentment, that comparison, that craving, even when he deposits it into our lives, into our heart, it just falls right out. It just falls right, we can't even contain. And God, because he's a good God, he's not gonna continue to pour out things into our life that are just gonna just empty out and make us more and more frustrated with him and with our lives. And, but here's the thing, there's a better way. There's another way. In fact, we can see in the story here of the Exodus a better way. In the book of Deuteronomy, which is just a, a few books later, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, we see what to do. We just saw what not to do. We see what to do. Now, this is actually not the same people that were buried in the graves of craving. This is their kids. This is Moses now coming to the next generation, saying, look, your parents, they got it off. I'm telling you, here is how you should do it. Deuteronomy 8, 7 through 18, it says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you'll forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through that vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known. It was to humble you and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. See, that's how you receive God's blessing and provision in your life. You receive it 
Rather than with resentment, comparison, and cravings, you receive it with praise and joy and generosity. You praise. God inhabits the praise of his people. God, thank you, Lord. We remember it all came from you. With joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And no matter what situation, circumstance, whatever we're going through, I'm going to stay centered on the fact that, man, he is my strength. He is with me. And then with generosity. See, a generous person prospers. He who refreshes others is himself refreshed. A generous person remembers, even as you build your nice houses and your cattle multiplies and your gold and your silver, all those good things, you remember that, man, God, it all came from you. It all comes from you. And you're generous. And so you're freely receiving, but also you're freely giving. Milestone, this is a, a generous church. It's a generous environment, right? Whether you're in McKinney or you're in Hassel or here in Keller, we are in environments of just generosity from years now, residual just generosity. It takes generosity for the Hassel campus to get up and to use their gifts and talents to set up and tear down and to bring uh, just Jesus to that region. Here at our Keller campus, it takes generosity to keep on taking the steps of expansion to say, I've got a seat, but I need to make room for somebody else to have a seat. And we've been doing that for years and years now. See, one of my roles on the team here is kind of organizing these, call them building campaigns to, to help the church get on board with where God is leading us. You know, years ago, we started one called Journey and we moved to our first building on 1709 and then we had a campaign uh, called Reach and then Reach 2.0 and that was to get us here to our Keller campus and posture us to be able to then to launch out to McKinney and our Haslett campus. And here we are right now in our Beyond campaign at the Keller campus expanding, making space here at Keller. We're constantly saying, okay, God, you've blessed us so much and you've done so much in my life. I wanna see you do the same thing in somebody else. So we have these moments of generosity that come up where we can just radically say, all right, God, it came from you, I'm giving it back to you. And I've loved watching families, myself personally, all these years, realizing you can't outgive God. These radical steps of faith, when we step out to give sacrificially every time, my vantage point is able to see, not just me, but hundreds of you, you stepped out in faith and God's just resupplied and multiplied in even greater ways. Because it's just an opportunity to show, our, our, show God and show our own hearts that, look, it all came from you. So we have an opportunity in a few weeks, we have a miracle offering. So begin to posture yourself and be prepared and praying for that of what you might do to say, all right, God, I'm surrendering this to you and thank you so much. And it's just an act of worship to give back to God. And so as we're wrapping things up today, I wanna close by saying, it's not just in the present where you can draw on gratitude. You see, for years, God has been faithful from generation to generation through all generations, but even in your own life, he has. When I start thinking about gratitude, I don't have to start with what's he doing today, I can go way back. See, when I was a kid, I, I created an act of vandalism, I did an act of vandalism, it's pretty bad, and nobody knew but me. And I remember just carrying the weight of that, and I was at a church service, and I remember Miss Kelly up there saying, look, if you're carrying that weight, that's sin, but you see Jesus, he came, he died on the cross, he took that sin upon himself and he was buried and rose again. And you can put your faith and trust in him and ask forgiveness of your sins and he'll take that off of you. I remember going in back with Miss Kelly, receiving Jesus and that weight coming off a young kid, just walking out, just full of joy. I said, God, thank you for your goodness to save me at that young age, to remove that weight. And then I'm moving to middle school. I remember a youth pastor saying, look, your friends are all gonna start going different directions and you need to make a decision right now whether or not you're gonna go follow the culture or you're gonna follow God. I remember God in that moment speaking to me saying, you're gonna, you're gonna follow me. 
And he gave him the grace and the grace. God, thank you for your goodness to meet me there and give me a vision for a life that's pursuing you and not direction of culture. And growing up in high school, as you can see, if you're following God and not culture, it gets lonely on that road. And multiple moves in a new school again, my senior year with no friends and just lonely battling depression, but I can still remember the goodness of God on a walk one day where he met me and said, look, I'm still with you and I've got a plan for you. After months of depression, so much so that it changed the structure, my, my, my bone, my face, the muscles, just the, the frowning of my brow. I came in the door, I looked different. I looked in the mirror, I, whoa, there I am. Praying, mom, what happened? God said, he's with me, he's got a plan. In a couple of months, he would call me to be a pastor. In a couple of months, even though I was at the bottom of the class, he would make a way and a prestigious university would offer me a full ride scholarship. A couple of months, he would introduce me to my wife. A couple of months, he'd partner us, we'd be in college together, growing young in ministry, and then he would move us to Texas to go to grad school. I look back at his goodness, just here wandering. Okay, God, you brought us here, but what do you have for us? I got this burden for a type of church that believes in the Bible, but also believes in the gifts and just, a life-giving church, you wanna reach a community, I'm just like, this is but where is it? And then a friend said, hey, there's a church starting up in Keller, you guys should probably go. Goodness of God, he brought this person, directed us to Keller, we walk in the doors, and first Sunday at Milestone Church, my wife and I, here, we don't know anybody in Texas. Pastor Jeff and Brandy, they say hello to us, they say, let's go to dinner this week. They learn our story, our gifts, our call, and they say, hey, week two, will you guys do something? Will you come, will you be in charge of all the people that are coming in behind you? the goodness of God, laying it out. And now to this day, just watching all of you walk in from that point forward, every week it's the goodness of God, just seeing that. I think about Pastor Ron and Ozzy, our Hazlitt campus pastors. I remember their first week coming in and then going to Chili's for lunch and saying, we're gonna walk with you. And now to see them leaving this campus in Hazlitt, the goodness of God. You see, you can look back at your life and if you don't feel grateful, you feel grumbling, you just, man, God, you were so good to me. You say, that might be you, see, but mine's different. I don't need to know anything about you, but I know God's been good to you. I know that tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you can wake up and say, God, thank you, Jesus, for another day. Your mercies are new every morning. There's people that don't, won't wake up tomorrow, but you will. And you put your feet down, you walk, and if you can walk, and most of you can, some of you can, but if you can walk, man, thank you, Lord, for walking. Thank you, Lord, for my health today. You go to the, brush your teeth, and you got running water, and you can even drink it if you wanted to, and it won't kill you. It's like, God, thank you so much for that. And you brush your teeth, you go get your coffee, and just, man, every good and perfect gift is from above. Man, it's a cup of coffee. You just got that coffee in the morning. Thank you, Lord. And I encourage you to sit and read your Bible. Put your coffee and your Bible together because you don't forget one of them, right? And so you put them together. And so you sit there with that word. God, thank you for your word. Man, how people have longed to have these scriptures, to be able to, to hear, to have it in their language where they can read it. And so, God, thank you, Lord. You've given this to me. I can read it, Lord. It reads me. You speak to me, God, through this, Lord. Thank you, God, for your word. And you drink your coffee. You drink your word. You get dressed. You get in your car. Lord, thank you for this car. You go to your job. If you're going to work, man, thank you for my work. Like you may have a crummy job and a crummy boss, but you thank God, thank you God, I have a vision for something better. Because some people don't. Thank you God for the creativity you put inside of me. Thank you for the ability to, to create wealth. God, thank you for the ability, Lord, to work. And you say, God, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm gonna be grateful, I'm gonna do my best to do it for you. I don't even like this job, I like you. I'm gonna do this for you today and it's gonna make it good. And you do that and then you work all day, you get in your car, you come home and on the way home you hit some traffic and somebody gives you a hand gesture, kind of frustrates you, but 
You're just like, thank you, God, for hands. You know what I mean? <laughs> now you thank him for the traffic. You thank him you're in a prosperous region where people want to live and start their families and there's opportunity all around you. And you pull into your driveway and you look and maybe it's your apartment, maybe it's your home. You're like, man, thank you for a place I get to call home, a roof over my head, God. You come in those doors and if you've been blessed with kids, maybe some of you are believing for it, that's a gift to be able to believe for it. I believe with you for those kids. But you walk in that door and you hear that daddy's home. They get a little older, it's like, hey dad. Turn into teenagers, where are the kids, right? <laughs> for those kids, what a blessing. Thank you God for my kids, thank you for their health, thank you you've got a plan for them. Maybe they're a little off track now, but Lord, you'll get them off track. You're raising teenagers and the challenges are grown and adult kids and you, God hears your prayers and as for me and my house, will serve the Lord. You believe for that. God, thank you, you got a plan for him. Your arm's not too short to save. You rest in that, he's there in his hands and he's got a plan for him. And then if you're married, you see your spouse there. Oh, you come in, you greet him with a kiss, you, you go right to him. Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing, obtains favor from the Lord. And you go to your husband, you go to your wife, you give him kids. God, thank you so much for blessing me. And maybe you have an evening together, you spat the dinner together and his provision on your table right there. And you lay your head down and God, you thank you, your goodness and mercy. They follow me all the days of my life. I get to do this again tomorrow. His goodness. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness in our life, Lord. God, we thank you, Jesus, that we have so much to be grateful for. In any situation, whatever we're facing, whatever challenge, whatever holding pattern we may feel like we're in, God, you have a plan. Because you not, may not be working it out, but you're working in us. So God, we invite you to work in our hearts, to posture us, to be able to receive all that you have for us, to walk in all that you have for us, and walk into it in a way that it's a blessing and not gonna be a burden to us, God, because you're so good and your timing is perfect. So God, we thank you for that. If you're here today and you, you don't know Jesus and you have the weight of that sin like I talked about sitting on you and you wanna have this heart of gratitude, I'm telling you, the only way we're gonna have this heart is to have Jesus and him to help us have this heart. And so you can have Jesus today. The Bible says acknowledge your sin and then know that he died for your sin on the cross, was buried and rose again. And so you say, God, I believe you died for my sin. I believe you rose again. And now I wanna make you the boss, Lord of my life. Jesus, I'm giving you the wheel now. If you pray that, it's coming to live inside of you. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, just for your, your grace on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.